Welcome to The Refresh from Insider, presented by WebEx by Cisco. I'm Dave Smith. And I'm Rebecca Ibarra. It's Wednesday, July 13th, and we're the podcast that updates whenever there's news all day, every weekday. Here's the latest. The Labor Department just dropped its Consumer Price Index report, which measures inflation. The TLDR, it is not good at all. Today's report shows the CPI rose 9.1% for the 12 months ending in June, which is higher than the 8.8% expected by economists. That is the highest inflation since 1981. Expect a rocky day on Wall Street, which now assumes the Fed is going to get even tougher on inflation by raising interest rates. Donald Trump's former national security advisor, John Bolton, made a, shall we say, unusual admission in his critique of Tuesday's January 6th hearing. Somebody who has helped plan coup d'etat, not here, but, you know, other places, uh, it takes a lot of work. Talking with CNN's Jake Tapper, Bolton went on to clarify he mentioned a failed coup in Venezuela in 2019. And when Tapper said, I feel like there's more you're not telling me, Bolton replied, I'm sure there is. A newly released surveillance video from inside Uvalde Elementary School chronicles the horrifying 77 minutes that left 21 people dead. The video was released by the Austin American Statesman ahead of a scheduled viewing this weekend. You can see officers enter the hallway, but instead of entering the classroom, they run away. And for the next hour, heavily armed officers wearing armor are in the hallway pacing back and forth and waiting. At one point, an officer even uses a hand sanitizer dispenser that's mounted to the wall. The parents of the students killed at Robb Elementary in Uvalde, Texas, say they are devastated by the surveillance video from inside the school being leaked before they had a chance to see it privately. They were meant to see it Sunday without the audio. Brett Cross, the father of one of the victims, told NBC, We didn't need to hear our babies being massacred. It was totally uncalled for. The executive editor at the Austin American Statesman, the publication that released the footage, says he did it so people can, quote, bear witness to history and bring change. It seems Google and Tinder might not be the perfect match. The tech giant is countersuing Tinder's parent company, Match Group, which also owns dating apps OkCupid and Hinge. Google says Match Group is trying to, quote, gain an unfair advantage by refusing to pay a percentage of in-app transactions to Google. Google's lawsuit seeks both damages and hopes to ban Match Group's apps from its app store permanently. Match Group originally sued Google for acting as a monopoly by taking taking a percentage of in-app purchases. It may soon be time for everyone to get a second COVID booster shot. Thanks to the latest wave of infections from the even more contagious Omicron subvariant BA5, Dr. Fauci says the FDA and CDC might move up the timeline on second boosters for all. Currently, only folks 50 plus or immunocompromised are eligible. And bonus? Fauci says you'll likely still be able to get an Omicron-specific booster expected in the fall. Today and every day, we're updating the refresh from Insider as news happens, so check back whenever you want to know the latest. Coming up, we dive into what the hell is going on with Elon Musk and Twitter. 
The changing world of hybrid work offers new possibilities. WebEx enables them with an open platform and many integrated partners, like Notion, Unifor, and SalesLoft. Powerful partnerships power hybrid work. Visit apphub.webex.com. WebEx, working for everyone. Louisiana residents can now legally get an abortion in the state until at least July 18th. That's because a state judge has blocked a law banning abortion for the second time. There's been a lot of back and forth in Louisiana courts since a statewide ban took effect following the overturning of Roe. But for now, the procedure is temporarily legal again. On Monday, there will be a hearing where reproductive rights advocates will ask the judge to allow abortions more permanently. After testifying at Tuesday's congressional hearing, Stephen Ayers, who had participated in the attack on the Capitol, made his way to a group of police officers who had been at the riot and offered his apologies, with mixed results. Former Capitol Police Officer Michael Fanon told the AP that Ayers' apology, quote, doesn't do shit for me. But D.C. Metropolitan Police Officer Daniel Hodges told CNN he accepts the apology, saying he has to believe people can change. Okay, so we open on a sweep of New York City brownstones. Then a woman appears. So there's been a nuclear attack. Don't ask me how or why. Just know that the big one has hit. Okay, that's the opening of a new public service announcement New York City released earlier this week. The 90 second video is going viral because, well, it's a mix of what and oh, no, no, no. And huh? It lays out obvious next steps after a nuclear attack like get inside and stay inside. Mayor Eric Adams insists the video was a great idea and that it's not in response to any immediate threat. But what do you know that I don't, Mayor Adams? Starbucks announced it's closing 16 stores across the country out of concerns for employee safety. The company says it recognizes, quote, challenging incidents that sometimes play out in Starbucks stores, and it plans to expand mental health benefits and offer active shooter training for employees. But where worker safety can't be guaranteed, they will close stores permanently and move employees to new locations. Critics see the closures of stores in Seattle, Los Angeles and Philly as part of a push to dissuade workers from unionizing. The Justice Department is creating a new task force to protect reproductive rights in the wake of the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. The group will monitor moves at the state and local level related to federal protections on reproductive care, including any bans imposed on FDA-approved abortion drugs or limits on federal employees who provide reproductive health services protected by federal law. Elon Musk, the richest person in the world, wanted to buy Twitter a few months ago. But as of this past Friday, he is officially out, or at least he wants to be out. Twitter won't let him pull out of the deal so easily, so it's enlisted lawyers to help enforce the merger agreement. So now we're looking at a few things. What's going to happen to Twitter? What's going to happen to Musk? And what does this mean for everyone else? Joining me is insider reporter Dominic Reuter, who's been covering this chaotic story very closely. So, Dominic... There are the reasons that Elon says he's backing out of the Twitter deal, and then there are the reasons that he may actually be backing out of the Twitter deal. First, what are the reasons that he's claiming he's backing out? 
So, yeah, he says he wants to be out because of, quote, several material violations of their agreement, which includes bots, fake or spam accounts that are on the platform. It's a major problem that degrades service on the platform. It degrades the experience for users. It creates all kinds of other problems. And he's claiming that there are significantly more bots on the platform than the relatively small 5% number that Twitter has disclosed for many years in its financials. And it's really funny because the letter that Musk's team sent to Twitter on Friday doesn't actually say they found anything. They just said that because of what they've seen, they strongly believe that the number is higher. So we've talked about why Elon claims to be backing out of the deal. But what are the reasons that he may actually be backing out that he's not talking about? Well, the number one reason I would have bet that he wants out of the deal is it's a bad deal. He's overpaying for it. $44 billion is a whole lot more than what Twitter is worth now. He sort of jokingly, I believe, threw out this share price of fifty-four twenty per share, which was a lot higher than the $36 premium, but it also was a happy little weed joke for Elon, who likes to put 420s into things that he is disclosing. So that, to me, was a big red flag at the beginning that he wasn't entirely serious. The problem is they took him seriously. Another thing is that the market has changed dramatically in the past quarter. The second quarter of 2022 has been bad news for stocks, uh, especially tech stocks. And so what is emerging actually as a strong likelihood for what he's getting out of this is Reuters reported on Monday that he is going to be in a much stronger cash position now if the deal fails, because this Twitter deal has served as a really good cover for him to offload a huge amount of Tesla shares at a very high price. Dominic, do you think that there's any possibility that this was meant to distract from what's going on with Tesla itself as a company? It's hard to say. I think Elon really thrives in environments where he can create chaos and what's difficult as a business reporter is you kind of have to report on the chaos, but you also have a sneaking suspicion that it's a head fake for some other move. I think, yes, there's plenty of problems going on at Tesla. There's been all kinds of significant financial and legal challenges for the company. Having everybody talk about this instead is great. So let's turn our attention to Twitter. So if the deal does fall through, how is this going to hurt Twitter? And is this already hurting Twitter? Oh, it's already hurting Twitter. It's, I mean, they are hemorrhaging staff. They have had a considerable amount of distraction during a very difficult financial quarter and economic quarter. That's going to have implications for compensation, for investor satisfaction for a whole variety of things, not to mention the talent that has left the building because they didn't want to work for Musk and the time that they've spent thinking about this and trying to address it. Twitter's team could have been working on other stuff. So Dominic, to the average person, why does all of this matter? In my opinion, the biggest significance of this deal, of this saga, is it's the question of whether the rules matter. Twitter and 
Elon Musk entered into a contracted agreement. He had a chance to review financials. He had a chance to request data. He had a chance to do all the stuff that he's doing now before signing. He decided not to do that. And now he's rewriting the rules. And this is a strategy that he has used successfully many times in the past. And if he does it again, I think it will have pretty complicated implications for the rule of contract law in this country, which underpins everything that we do uh, (laughs) in, in, in public. Dominic, thanks so much for chatting. Thank you, Dave. Dominic Reuter covers daily business news for Insider. Make sure to follow The Refresh from Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please leave a rating and review. It helps other people discover the show. You can also just tell your smart speaker to play The Refresh from Insider podcast. I'm Dave Smith. And I'm Rebecca Ibarra. Talk to you soon. Refresh.